Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. And welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I'm Noah Yingling, one of the co experts of Rocks Pile. And as always, I am joined by my friend and fellow co expert, Kevin Henry. Kevin, how are you? I am good. A little background noise here in downtown Denver is game two of the Dodgers and Rockies is getting ready to get underway, uh, especially after a shellacking last night in the opener. Uh, we'll see how the Rockies can rebound uh, as we record this Friday before the second game of the series. Well, I was going to say second game of the series. I mean, that's relative term because that wasn't really a game last night. No, it really wasn't. And, and the problem was it wasn't a game early. You know, I mean, the, the Rockies were so out of it as far as not only the Dodgers hitting, but the Rockies throwing the ball all over the, the field last night uh, early to sloppy. And, and I think that any emotion that there was that was a positive emotion got sucked out of that game within about the first four outs. Yeah. And I mean, when we were in Milwaukee and we were talking with Bud Black, I mean, we asked them a very difficult question of, okay, why are fans supposed uh, why should fans still believe in the team and he said the starting pitching and he said we've been playing a lot better baseball didn't yeah. see that last night no and and you know and i tweeted at one point during the game about how bud has emphasized so many times about the defense has gotten better you know, there was that series in Philadelphia in April that was just like the low point, but he's pointed back to the game since then as such positives because this team has gotten fundamentally better. And last night, boy, it just it fell apart so quickly. It was amazing. And I, I correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I, I think we're at the Tim Melville territory with Urania. Yeah. Yeah, I had mentioned how I kind of thought uh, hopefully he'll last a little bit longer. He 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 lasted one start longer than than Melville, because with Melville, 
Uh, he made two starts and 12 innings, 0.75 ERA. After that, he had two innings, five runs, five and two-thirds, two runs, three innings, five runs. But yeah, five starts after that he made with the Rockies, 7.17 ERA. Yeah, and I, I think it was a really interesting point that you made about that, uh, you know. And and I'm curious because Bud Black has been on MLB Network Radio talking about how they they like Cool, they like Urania, and now are they going to keep them around? You know, and he's hinted that they might like to keep them around. And for depth pieces, you know, Urania might be a good depth piece, but is he really a guy? If he looks anything like last night, moving forward the Melville situation, as you mentioned, is that really a guy that you trust any more than a Chichi Gonzalez, uh, you know, is your fifth starter. Yeah. And therein lies the problem. The starting rotation was supposed to be the strength. Right. And on the season now it's bloated, obviously with that start from Urania, but it's five Oh nine. It's 28th in the majors. And you expect to get back in the playoff picture with that? Well, it's not going to happen. No. And, and I think one of the hardest things about last night was that the guy on the bump for the other team, Tyler Anderson, you yeah. know, former Rocky, you know, and, and the Bud talked about that before the game. And one of the biggest things he said was, is that Tyler Anderson is now healthy. He's put the knee issues behind him. He's not wearing a brace. You know, and, and you're sitting there listening to this, and granted, it's hard to work with a guy whenever he's not healthy. I get that completely. But the, the Dodgers obviously were willing to show the patience. And obviously, at 11 and 1, Tyler Anderson has uh, uh, been a very good find for them, and he looked really good last night. And yeah, Monte too. Yeah. I mean, the Rockies gave him a few opportunities. He pitched well in 2020. Last year, he was awful. This year, he shows up, and he's one of the best relievers in baseball. Yeah, it's you know it, it's a frustrating thing whenever that happens. It's even more frustrating whenever it's the Dodgers that that happens to. And, and I will say one thing. You know, I, I walked around downtown Denver a little bit this morning before the game, and the amount of Dodgers fans and Dodger memorabilia walking around and the amount of let's go Dodgers chance, you know, it, it really did hit home last night. I think just how the difference is between the excitement levels of the two fan bases as well. You know, th- there was a time whenever they, they, the let's go Rockies chance and the let's go Dodgers would fight amongst each other. By the time those broke out in the second inning last night, it was just kind of people throwing up their hands going, eh, you know, cause <laughs> It wasn't much to cheer about last night. Of course, that's baseball, and today's a different day. Um, I've got a very intriguing question for you. We were talking about difficult questions because we asked Bud Black some difficult ones. Um, obviously, you have less writing on it than he does. But um, is Denver a Dodger town? Yeah. Um, Denver's not just a Dodger town. Denver's a giant town. Uh, Denver's Denver a Padre. a Padre town. Denver's a Padre town, you know, mm-hmm. And that's something I've talked about with some some friends who have visited here and been surprised at the number of visiting fans, you know, but it's a Mets town whenever they're here. It's a Cardinals town. It's a Cubs town. You know, Denver is such a melting pot 
that you are going to get any year doesn't matter. The Cubs are the Cubs are not a good team this year. Cubs fans turned out in droves for the Cubbies. Chris Bryant got booed by White Sox fans during this past series. You know, and there were plenty of White Sox fans that attended. This is just such a melting pot of people who have moved here that I, I don't know that Denver is ever going to be a true home field advantage unless the Rockies get on some winning streak and all of a sudden everybody starts cheering for them rather than cheering for maybe the team they grew up with. And therein lies the problem of, okay, from a business perspective, the Rockies are totally fine with that because they're making money. I mean, people come to the stadium. And it doesn't matter whether Rockies fans, Cubs fans, Padres, Dodgers, Giants, whoever. But you aren't even the top baseball team in your town. Let's be quite honest. That, that is a no. massive, massive issue. I, I agree with that. And, and I think it's, it's definitely magnified by the fact that the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants – are, you know, have had success, you know, I mean, uh, I was talking to uh, our friend Manny Randala from MLB.com last night while we were in the Dodgers clubhouse. You know, I went over there while Dwayne Dupron, who writes for Rock's Bile, was in the Rockies clubhouse last night. And he and I were talking about the what if could have happened had Colorado won game 163 at Dodger State, you know, and that whole other multi multiverse that might've happened had they been able to pull off that win. But it's since then, it, you know, really the high point has been the wild card win at Wrigley. And it has been very much nothing much to cheer about other than that. Which makes it even more interesting to me that when we talked or when I talked to uh, Bill Schmidt at American family field, nearly, nearly said Miller park there. It's always Miller park, but American family field, in Milwaukee, um, he essentially said we might still be buyers. Now, if that um, if that happens, um, it would be it, it would have to be more long term pieces, and it's not a rental for this year um, because the Rockies are looking to get rid of some of their quote unquote rentals. Um, I, well, I wouldn't say looking to get rid of their, their entertaining offers for them. Um, and Bill Schmidt said as much. Um, Jose Iglesias, uh, Chad Cool, Daniel Bard, Alex Colome, Carlos Estevez, they're all free agents at the end of the year. Um, and we can talk about this a little bit later. Essentially, what, what will the Rockies do? I mean, there's there's so much that could happen here in the next few days, the trade deadline, of course, being on Tuesday, but the Rockies, do they have a shot at getting back into things? Yes. Is it going to happen? No. I mean, they're, until they're mathematically eliminated, you can never say never, but as we've discussed, they have to, and even Bud Black said it where when we asked him, it was on Monday. We asked him, okay, how can this team turn things around? And he said, well, well, we have to get better in pretty much every area, but especially pitching. And he said, and I, I'll bring up the quote here, but 
he said how essentially every single guy has to pitch well. No slip-ups. Had a slip-up last night. And you have to get on the – and the other thing he said was you have to get on these big winning streaks because they, they've dug themselves into a hole. Mm-hmm. So here's his quote. Uh, the goal is to improve in all areas, but if we pitch at a high rate, that gives us a better chance at chipping away at being 10 games under 500. And that means, like, everybody has to pitch well. Everybody. 13 guys. We can't have a slip-up of one guy. We saw that last night. That was on uh, – he was talking about Sunday. Um, we saw that a couple nights ago. To win games, we need a good start and a good bull, a good pull, good bullpen to finish it off. It's hard to bounce back and win games late, statistically. And then he, he went on to say – um, we need to do that by winning series, putting together four or five game winning streaks, combine that with another four or five game winning streak, win 15 of 20, 22 out of 30, those types of runs. But it starts with pitching. Are the Rockies capable of doing that? Absolutely. If you were to be talking to the, uh, the Rocks pile version of the 2007 Rockies, um, You'd be saying right now at this point, yeah, they, they uh, could they? Sure. sure. But is it going to happen? Unlikely. Right. That year did happen. Could it yeah. happen? Absolutely. But uh, again, the chance of that happening is so minuscule at this point where it's, it's tough to see where it could happen until, okay, show me that you get a five-game winning streak. Okay. Show me you can win 10 of 12. Maybe we can start talking about it then. Well, and as you and I have have talked about a lot, uh, the end of the season is about as rough as it could be for the Rockies, the six straight games at Dodger Stadium, you know, to to end the season. So if you're going to run off a Rocktober-style run at some point, which, again, we are getting low on games for that to actually happen, in a, in a crazy, you know, whatever goes world, you're still going to have to end the season playing your arch rivals. And yes, I am going to say your arch rivals and the Dodgers for six games at their place, a place you don't do well, and a place where let's not forget they're going to be battling the Mets, possibly the Braves, for home field advantage in the National League playoffs. They're not going. They're not going to let up. They're not going to put on the the you know just coast, knowing that. Can you guess, Stu? I just looked it up for the 2007 Rockies through July 29th, which is today, the day we're recording this. the The Rockies had played 104 games. Can you guess their record? 104. Uh, I will say there were 47, 57. <laughs> 53 and 51. Ah, there you go. And they ended up winning 90 games and they still had a 163 as well. Yeah. So I, they ended up slipping up a bit in August. That was their problem, but still they, they had shown, okay, maybe we can, we're still slightly above 500. Of course, there's only one wild card at the time, but they went 15 and nine in July. They went 15 and 13 in May, 14 and 13 in June. This version of the Rockies has not shown that. 
Yeah. And, and again, I think that if you look back at that 2007 run and think about what the baseball world looked like in 2007, the Dodgers weren't the Dodgers back yeah. then, you know, and, and this was also a team that I think, let's just say, had a little more confidence in what it could do when it went on the road as well, especially during that stretch. Yeah. So, so I think that you put those two things together and it's really hard to envision something like that happening. Mind you, through July 29th, they were uh, they were in fourth place, but they were only three and a half back of the Dodgers and Diamondbacks who were tied for the division lead. Yeah, it's crazy to think about that, but you know, it, it different world. And and again, when you look at this upcoming trade deadline, which we're getting ready to knock on the door of, you know, I, I know you know we were going to talk a little bit about the Rockies are going to do this trade deadline, but I think it's worth talking about what the Dodgers are going to do with the trade deadline. You know, one thing that Dave Roberts said yesterday in the dugout is that after the after the Dodgers finished this series, they head to San Francisco to play the Giants. And there is a lot that's going to go on behind the scenes at that Dodgers-Giants series. Chris Taylor is getting ready to be there to see if he's ready to start a rehab assignment on his way back. Um, they have a couple of other pitchers that are going to be throwing there to see about when they're going to be ready to come back. So if you really look up and down the Dodger lineup, they're pretty injury riddled right now. And that's the scary part. And they're getting ready to get better, even without making any trades to bring in somebody from the outside. And that's one of the things with the Mets where people are saying, oh, well, the Mets say could get this and this. And like, they, it, potentially, as long as he's healthy, they have Jacob DeGrom coming back. You have the best pitcher in the sport yep. potentially coming back. For the Padres, they have Tatis coming back. They're essentially trade deadline people coming in in August and, hey, we got our guy. Absolutely. What are the Rockies going to do? They aren't bringing somebody like that in. Well, so let's, let's talk about it, and maybe, maybe we do it after the break here. But I want to I want to go back to what our friend Manny wrote. Uh, you know, it wasn't what the Rockies are going to do; it's what they should do. And I thought it was a really interesting article, and I'll frame the second part of our conversation here on the Rockspile Rockies Report. And we are back, Rockspile Rockies Report. Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling as the Dodgers and Rockies prepare to continue their series here in downtown Denver. Noah, I, I mentioned the article by Manny Randala of MLB.com, um, and. He contributed to a piece that MLB.com wrote about what every team should do its trade deadline. Not what they will do, what they should do. And Manny wrote a really interesting paragraph in there as part of that, all 30 teams. And his, his was very simple. He's like, the Rockies should sell at the deadline. And they should sell in order to acquire prospects that can immediately come in at the higher levels for the Rockies and be even better of a bridge for the Tovars, the Veens, the Romos that we've talked about, who are still at the lower levels. So if the Rockies could replenish their farm system at the upper level, which we know is not a strength for the Rockies, and do that through guys who are not signed through next year, what would be the harm in that? And I, I loved his thought process with that, and I think that that would be a great thing that the Rockies should do its trade devil. Yeah. I mean, we've Discussed it. Iglesias. Uh, and some of them like, okay, you, you, for example, Chad Cool. 
okay, you want him to be on your team next year because he's pitched well this year for the Rockies and he's pitched well at Coors Field. Great. Sign him next offseason. Iglesias, Cool, Bard, Colome, Estevez, all should be traded, in my opinion. Talk to Charlie Blackman. See, hey, um, we're, we'd like to trade you to a contender. Um, we know that you like it here, but we want, we want to get you a con- to a contender and we need to get some prospects back. Um, dare I even say Herman Marquez? Granted, his market is down, but next year is his last guaranteed year in his contract. Gritchick, Crone. I mean, you got you've got a decent amount of guys where you could say, "Hey, we could get something out of him," and the Rockies are not going to do that. They're not going to go at least at that force. And barring something cataclysmic, they aren't going to even do half of that. You know, but what we were talking about in the dugout the other day before Bud came out for his pregame meeting with the media was very interesting. It was like. If you went to a Daniel Bar, you went to a Charlie Blackman, you said, you know what? We're going to trade you this half season, let you chase a ring. And then in the offseason, guess what? We're going to bring you back. Yeah. We're, we're going to sign you to an extension. We're going to make sure you get that year or two or whatever it is, Charlie. But we want to give you a chance to actually win something this season. I don't think that would be such a bad thing to go to the guy and say, this is part of our deal. And in the offseason, we want you back. If you get the prospects, let the guys chase a ring and then sign the back, the ones that you actually wanted to, where's the harm? Yeah, and that's, that's another thing where, okay, Charlie Blackman might not be part of your five-year plan at, at the end of that five years, but A, he could help you bridge. And even if he doesn't really help you bridge, he could be a stopgap or depth. Yeah. And the Rockies problem. Yeah. But I think that it, in some weird, strange way, it is important for the Rockies that Charlie Blackman is like Todd Helton in the fact that he never played for anybody else other than the Colorado Rockies. Yeah. And I think if you give him a half season where he goes to the Yankees, well, he wouldn't go to the Yankees to see that shape. But, uh, you know, you send him to the <laughs> Mets, you send him to the Mets or somewhere like that and say, yeah. chase a ring and then we're bringing you back. I think that little stain of him not being in Colorado on his baseball reference page, that'd be enough for them to go, now we're good, which is just crazy to me to think about. Yeah, and that, that the mindset of that, of essentially, they, they don't like handling things like a business, which is a problem considering it's a business, but they don't know how to balance personal and business either. Another problem. Charlie Blackman, he'd be a perfect fit in, in Atlanta. Reigning World Series winners, yep. 99% chance of making the playoffs this year from Georgia, from the Atlanta area. Agreed. They George need Tech an outfielder. Yep. Hey, a great fit. It, it would be. Charlie Chase a ring, and we'll see you, in, we'll see you back here at spring training. You know, you have these conversations, and I think, you know, think back to, uh, wow, and now I cannot think of the the pitcher's name, but there was a pitcher that uh, Jeff Reich traded to Miami, 
for Chad Smith. And then I think it was Tonoco. I think it was Tonoco. Yeah. Yeah. And Tonoco eventually came back to the Rockies. And everybody was like, oh, my gosh, we got like two pitchers for one there. You know, why why not do more of that (laughs) with this trade season, especially with a guy like a Bard or, you know, even a Blackman that you know is is somebody who is respected in the clubhouse. The fans, you know, give props to just just talk to him and say, this is our plan. What do you think? Yeah. Even on a bigger uh, uh, a bigger pedestal, a role to Chapman traded to the Yankees in December 2015 for nothing because it's the Reds and they aren't very good. Um, but the Yankees traded him to the Cubs seven months later in July at the trade deadline. And guess who they got? They got Glaber Torres. Turned out pretty well for them. It did. And it, guess where he signed five months later in free agency? I was just going to say, where is he now? Let's see. Now, yeah. granted, he's not pitching well now, but he pitched well for them in 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. But it's a great example of how you can flip a player and actually get him back as well. It's a great example. Yeah. And guess what? For the Cubs, they were very happy that they made that trade because they won a World Series. Absolutely. You know, and, and again, I think that that's what it's all about is that, you know, as we were talking about a little bit before the segment, attendance is always going to be decent. In it just is. It's going to be built yeah. in. I mean, honestly, the crowd you hear behind me, guess what? Those are actually Dodger fans that are getting together pre-gaming. I'm not kidding. So, you know, it's going, I'm dead serious. It's so it's always going to happen. But the thing is that if you could put a winning product on the field and have the Denver media actually talk about something other than what Russell Wilson wore to practice today, that's not a bad thing in late July, early August. It was like all the media flocking there to Coors field when Russell Wilson was there. And then second inning, poof, see ya. See you next year, opening day. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and and I think that that's what, you know, this trade deadline uh, will not be, it's, let's face it, it's going to be quiet as far as the Rockies go. It's going to be a quiet trade deadline. If if it's not, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope that next time we're on this podcast that I am wrong about that. But I think that there will be opportunities for the Rockies to make trades and they will not view them as good enough. And whenever August 3rd dawns, this Rockies roster will look very similar to what it does today. Yeah. I think if anybody's going to be traded, it's going to be Iglesias. Um, Because as Bill Schmidt also told us, they have had discussions about promoting Tovar to the majors this year. Right now he's not healthy, dealing with a groin injury. But even if he doesn't do that, they can plug in a Hampson or a Trejo at shortstop. Not ideal. Uh, Tovar would be better, but they could at least get something there. Um, Really, I think that's probably going to be it. Um, But perhaps they trade one of Bard or Colome. Maybe. Doubt it. Um, I think they're they're, they're keeping Estevez. Uh, Shasin's also free agent. He's injured and he hasn't pitched well, so he's staying. Um, I think Cool's going to stay as well because I mean, again, he's been their best starter. So yeah, 
but, but the Iglesias thing is kind of a microcosm of the Rockies. They're not going to trade Iglesias. You know, and, I, and I'm just going to say that. They're not going to trade Iglesias because they feel like he's too valuable to the team right now. But yet, they're also not going to rush Tovar along, even if they were to trade him, because that's not what they do. So it's, it's the perfect example of two things the Rockies don't do. They don't trade off guys, and they don't rush prospects. And the shortstop position is just the dictionary uh, definition of that, right? Yeah, and uh, they're obviously not going to play him if he's not healthy. But I, I, personally, I think that it's only going to be Iglesias. You're saying nobody? I am. I'm saying nobody. Okay. Yep. It, well, let, let me put an answer by that. If anybody, call them. Okay. How about that? Um, do you think they're going to buy? Because Bill Schmidt said that they uh, could, under the right circumstance, be buyers. Yeah. I, I think any, you know, you lost a series in Milwaukee. You split one with the White Sox. You got drubbed in the first game against the Dodgers. There's been nothing after the All-Star break that screams, we've got to run here. You know, I, I, there just isn't. So I, I don't see a scenario where they're buyers. How about you? Um, if they win the next three against the Dodgers and if they take the first one in San Diego, maybe. Still doubt it. But again, it wouldn't be the the rental type of player. It would be someone, uh, not like for example, Shohei Otani. He could be traded, and he's only under control through next year. While it might be great to envision him in a Rockies uniform, it's not going to happen because one, the trade return, and two, he's only controllable through next year. Even uh, the uh, again, this is bigger than it would happen for the Rockies, but there's someone like Juan Soto that has two years of control after this. Maybe the Rockies go after that person, but they could very easily do that next off season and see where they are with their current free agents and see where they are with the rest of their team. I mean, how many guys, and this is another thing, how many guys on this team have truly improved off of what they had last year for the Rockies. Crone, Rogers, I would say Daza, particularly with the bat. Um, Hilliard defensively, not offensively. Hampson, I would say, has improved. In fact, I think he's probably improved at the plate as much as anybody. But everybody else has either been the same or regressed. Yeah. That's not a playoff team. You know, I think back to the, the podcast that we did at the very start of the season. And again, we were hopeful of what was to come. But we also talked about all the holes that needed to be filled on this team. And, you know, it's the, the little boy trying to stick his finger in the, the dam trying to keep all the, the water from coming out. There's too many holes to keep it from coming out. And, and I think that that is what has crept up on the Rockies this year, that even though Hampson may have improved, Daza may have improved, and they've shown improvements along the way, Connor Joe has not improved. You know, uh, you know so there are enough regression candidates in there. You know, Vermont still has not bounced back for an extended stretch. We're starting to see signs of that. 
but there's there's enough regression from guys that it takes away from all the positives that you might have seen with what Brown has done or any of the others that you mentioned. The Rockies are the car that's driving down the road that you laugh at because it's got bumpers falling off it, and but it's it's got a little band aid or a piece of duct tape that's holding it up and you can see that it's going to fall apart or still is falling apart but it's um, it's not going to work oh you want to drive to for me to chicago or to you for you you want to drive up to name any yeah. place in colorado because it's yeah. further to drive there because it's mountainous okay um yeah. you probably aren't gonna be able to do that oh you're just driving to mom's house three miles away okay it'll be fine for that <laughs> yeah and and i think that that's that's the thing is that we are getting to the point in the season where whatever they've got it's fine because it's not going to matter it's yeah. not it's not going to matter and and i think that that's where rocky's fans have become so frustrated is that they they stopped it stopped mattering long before the trade deadline yeah. And, and I think that that's where, you know, you felt it. I felt it. I know our, our colleagues who cover this team as well. We felt the outrage from the fans, trust me. Yeah. And, and, and I think this year that slight glimmer of hope that was given, you know, about, you know, could Gritchick be an answer, you know, all, all these different things. It, it, I think it, the little hope it built up now, it's made it even harder for them to realize that just how underperforming this team has been. Yeah, I mean, we've, like we said, we, we thought it'd be a little bit better, but I mean, still a lot of holes. And the Rockies, until until they recognize that there are a lot of holes, one, and two, until they make moves to solve those holes, they aren't going to be getting the viewership that they want. Or uh, people at Coors Field that are Rockies fans. Uh, I mean, that that is the problem. Where until something changes, people are not going to pay attention. And as we were talking about this, uh, it was Patrick Saunders, Thomas Harding, and I. And we were saying in the last 20 years, and this was in, this was in Pittsburgh, so this was this was like two months ago. Okay, is there any point in Rockies history where Rockies fans have cared less about this team than right now? Maybe, and I mean maybe the late uh, the the early Clint Hurdle years, the late Buddy Bell years. We're talking twenty years ago now. That's about it. Yeah, and, and I think that you're you're at a point now where the the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. The Broncos have Russell Wilson. The Nuggets have the two-time MVP in Nikola Jokic. The Rockies have Chris Bryant. Yeah, you, you tell me which one of those four gets you the least excited of the bunch. Yeah. And and you know, it, it's okay. You know, professional sports have cycles. And the Rockies, unfortunately, are in a a cycle that isn't good. But if you look at the Broncos, they were that downward cycle for a couple of years. They went out and made the deal they needed to make in order to reinvigorate the fan base 
and to give them a, a hope. And, and granted, the Chris Bryant signing is, is great, fantastic, but it's everything around that that needs to be improved. That's a tent pole, and, and it can't be a tent pole until Zach Bean arrives. There's got to be some other things that happen before that. Too. And the thing is, especially with Bryant, look at that slash line. If I would have told you that on July 29th that he was hitting 307, 376, 487 with an OPS plus of 130, you'd say, sign me up. But then I would add in, oh, he's played 39 games, and the team has played 100 games. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and, and trust me, you know, we, we've talked to Chris Bryant about this. I've talked to Chris Bryant about this. It's been a frustrating year for him, too. Yeah. Because when he's been on the field, he's been productive, but he just hasn't been on the field enough. Now, next year, maybe it'll be better. Maybe it won't. We, you know, you never know. But, but I think that the, when the plan was that Chris Bryant's going to be the savior and then Chris Bryant isn't available to be the savior, well, the plan fell apart pretty well, quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem was, I'm not sure if the plan was there in the first place. Because, again, how many guys have improved? The, the, the Rockies are really banking on Ryan McMahon to improve at the plate. And he's been the same exact hitter. He's been the same exact slightly below league average hitter. Average is down a little bit in comparison, but the power is oh, uh, the on base is up a little bit. Power is down from where it was. I mean, defensively, at least he's picked up from where he was at the beginning of the year. But again, you're, you're banking on him to be your essentially probably third or fourth best power hitter. And he's a below league average hitter. That's a big problem. You've got other guys like, okay, Rogers has stepped up, but he's right now, even with his awful April, he's at league average 100 OPS plus. You have, including Bryant, you have four guys above league average. Crone, or at, at league average or better. Crone, Rogers, Bryant, and Charlie Blackman. You know, and I'm glad you mentioned Brendan Rogers because one thing that gets lost in the, the just waylaying last night is that Rogers had a four hit performance. You know, and, and I mean, he's doing. He's doing the things that Rockies fans always wanted to see him do. And, and again, after the first month of the season. But but since then, the defense has been there. The offense has been there. He's been a bright spot this season. There's no question about it. And a lot of folks won't realize that he looked as good as he did at the plate last night. But I shudder to think what would have happened had Rodgers not been in the lineup or not had those four hits. Yeah. It, would have been, it would have been even worse for that. So since May 1, he's played in 74 games. Obviously, that's uh, – we'll say it's half a season, roughly half a season. If you would have said, I will give you half a season of Brendan Rodgers hitting 306, 351, 482 with nine homers and 48 RBI, that's a 162-game pace of 20 homers and 105 RBI. You would sign up for that every single day of the week. Yeah. And Absolutely. they still – 
are nowhere close offensively. Not even close. Well, the next time that we do this podcast, the MLB trade deadline will be over, and we're going to look back and see what did we get right, what did we get wrong, and we're also going to talk about how the NL West changed. Because one thing that we know, Noah, is that the Dodgers and Padres and even the Giants will likely not stand by. Now, which way the Giants go will be very interesting to see as well. But you know the Dodgers and Padres are going to add to their arsenals. Yeah. And if Juan Soto heads to one of those teams, oh, my. Yep. Absolutely. So, well, if, if he heads to the Dodgers – the Dodgers will not play in Colorado the rest of the year, just to keep that in mind. This is their last appearance here in Colorado this season. We could well see him with the Padres in September uh, when the Padres come to town for their final visit of the year. Uh, but other than that, it's going to be an interesting trade deadline. So we'll see what happens. Yep. So, all right. Well, Rockies fans, hey, we know you're frustrated. We hear you. <laughs> we, we've been there. We, we are around you. And certainly, we're going to keep track of this team. We're going to keep giving you our opinions. And they won't be through purple sunglasses or waving purple pom-poms. We're going to tell you what we think. We're going to tell you what we hear. And that's what we pledge to do always here at the Rockspile Rockies Report. So follow us on Rockspile uh, FS on Twitter at rockspile, uh, you know, rockspile.com. Also check out what we're doing at callofthepin.com and the MLB page on fansided.com. So for my colleague, Noah Yingling, Kevin Henry signing off. And as always, even at the end of July, go Rockies.